You're listening to the System Save Me podcast, episode number 150. Today, we're going to be talking about how to follow your path. This is a special one, so stay tuned. Hi, I'm Jordan Gill, and my business love language is efficiency. Because who doesn't want to sit pina coladas on the beach while your business runs on autopilot? If your business depends on you, you don't own one. You have a job. We're here to fix that. Now, with over 150 episodes, this is the System Save Me podcast. Before I dive into this episode, I want to share with you a tool that totally makes me want to do the Cupid Shuffle in the middle of Whole Foods, Acuity Scheduling. I've had Acuity for over five years, so we're basically in a common law software marriage. Anywho, I'm going to tell you one way I use Acuity to save me time. I bet for every call scheduled on your calendar, you have to manually create a Zoom link and then go update the Google invite. Stop that. Like, right now. No, seriously. Acuity and Zoom have an integration where for every new call set up in Acuity, Zoom automatically creates a conference call link for you. Hooray! Just go to the integration subtab and click Zoom. Follow the directions for adding the API codes from Zoom. Then choose which appointment types you want to create Zoom links for. And lastly, in your email settings, inside of all your confirmation and reminder emails, place the term percentage sign, location, percentage sign, and Zoom will automatically add in the call link. Boom. Efficiency for the win. If you want to learn more from my free training about how to use Acuity in your business, or start using Acuity today, go to systemsamey.com slash Acuity for life. That's A-C-U-I-T-Y for life. All right, now back to the show. Hey, y'all. I'm super stoked to share this guest with you today. She is incredible, to say the least, um, and she has an amazing journey that I think you're really going to be intrigued by. So, Mickey, how are you doing today? Great. Fantastic. So let's go ahead and start off by having you just shoot a couple of details about um, you and your business that you have currently right now. Yeah. So um, right now I am the founder of a company called Tushy, which is looking at disrupting the toilet category. You know, right now, the way you wipe your butt hasn't <laughs> changed since the late 1800s. Toilet paper is brought to America in 1890 and um, huh. the way we you know, still wipe ourselves is actually from that time. And so it's actually wild that, you know, in the day, in this day and age of information and how we have more access on our phones, you know, than presidents did just a few years ago. And yet when we step into the bathroom, it's like, poof, back into the 1800s. You know, I grew up, I'm half Japanese, half Indian, and both cultures grew up with days. Um, in the Japanese wow. culture, you have those super fancy Japanese singing toilets that you walk in the room and it says hello to you. And it does all kinds of things besides just, you know, spray water in your, on your butt um, and clean yourself. But, um, and, then, and then, of course, they're super expensive and, and yeah. require plumbing and electrical, which, you know, a lot of young people today don't even own homes. And so, in fact, 70% of, of young people don't own homes. And so the thought of, you know, buying this really expensive Japanese toilet just doesn't make any sense, you know, plus installing plumbing, electrical, et cetera. And then there's like, and then in India, there's these bum guns called the Lota, where you spray your bum with a gun, like a, like a water gun. And, um, and that's kind of, yeah, that's kind of, 
you know, also, um, you know, feels a little cumbersome to like pick up this water spray and then spray your butt. They're, they're very, it's very common there, but here it's, it would, it would seem very weird. And um, so what I've created is a simple bidet attachment that simply attaches to your existing toilet. It looks like a beautiful iPhone next to your toilet, um, but requires no plumbing or electrical. It takes literally 10 minutes to install and it pulls the water directly from the wall, the same water you brush your teeth with, like not from the tank or the bowl, like a splitter comes off the wall. Like, you know where you turn your water off, you turn it off. And then it's only $69. And that's a huge thing. You know, right now, you know, we're flushing down 15 million trees um, down the toilet per year, which is a huge issue. Um, yeah. I'm not thinking about it. You know, for, I have a 15 month old son and, you know, obviously the next, for the next generation, we're, 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 we're leaving the planet in a really dire situation. And so for, for us to do our part and, and to create a really simple modern bidet attachment that, you know, clips onto your toilet in 10 minutes and, and for 69 bucks, it completely transforms your health hygiene and of course the environment. Right. Um, you know, the, you know, the other thing is that, it's it's from a cost savings perspective in three months time you actually completely are paid back um your the cost of toilet paper that you would otherwise spend so you know if 69 dollars you spend about 20 bucks a month on toilet paper and so you know in three months time you're, you're paid back and then the rest of it you, you pat dry with 80 percent less toilet paper so you're saving thousands of dollars worth of money you know wow. worth of toilet paper that you would spend over time so it's just a no-brainer product right yeah, it really is. That's yeah. so cool. And I love that you shared your cultural background as well and, and your experience and, and whatnot with it, both yeah. on the Japanese side and the Indian side. So yeah. that's cool. And in India, I don't know if you know that, that India is called the open defecation capital of the world. And what mm-hmm. that means is, you know, over, over a billion people right now on the planet poop outside, you know, like animals. Wow. They don't have toilets because you know third world countries. There's no access yeah. to toilets. There's no there's no system, and so oftentimes people are pooping in their neighborhoods and then and gets into the water systems, and then people get sick. Yeah. Children get sick. People die. It's a it's one of the biggest the sanitation crisis. One of the greatest killers of our time. And so wow. what I'm proud of with what we're doing is for every tushy sold, we're funding the build out of clean sanitation facilities, of toilets all over India. And so to date, we've helped over 20,000 families gain access to clean sanitation. And that's, that's something that we're really proud of as well as a team. Yeah, that's incredible. I love that. And I love get back um, companies as well. So when I found out about you, that was a big, a big thing for me is, you know, what, you know, what is it as a company that you're doing to then help solve the problems, not just from the actual, what is your product doing, but then also in the world, like how are we giving back in that way? So I think that's super awesome. So you have an incredible story and I'm really, oh yeah, God. The thing about that is that it's really important that whoever's listening to go to hellotushy.com and not tushy.com because tushy.com is a porn site. <laughs> a porn site, might I add. So certainly go to hellotushy.com. Yes, definitely. And that will be in the show notes. Yes. But yes, exactly. So <laughs> thank you for the clarification. So kind of start to go into your story because what we're going to talk about really is like how to follow your path. And throughout your journey, you have had such a variety of experiences and careers that I think is amazing and incredible. And for you to now be you know, where you're at today, obviously 
the, the path is very straight and, and you had a process to, to get you where you wanted to go. So kind of start out with where your story maybe starts. That might be in college, that might be in when you get out of college, what your first career choice was and why that was that. And we'll kind of take the journey then into how it moved into, into Tushy. Yeah, yeah, totally. So I went to, I graduated from Cornell University. I grew up in Montreal, Canada and um, went to Cornell to play soccer, um, was, was recruited there. And um, uh, when, I, when I graduated from college, I moved to New York City in 2001, um, right before 9-11. And, and my subway stop every morning was to World Trade Center. And so wow. um, every morning I would wake up, you know, you know, get off at Two World Trade Center, and then go up and meet my girlfriend who worked on the hundredth floor at Two World Trade Center, and we would get breakfast before I walked across the street to my office. Mm-hmm. And then nine eleven happened, and I was supposed to be there on that day. And wow. seven people in my girlfriend's office died on that day, and two people in my office died. And it was the only day in my life that I slept through my alarm clock. And. Wow. Yeah, it was a crazy moment in, in time where I felt I felt like there was an angel who just, you know, who just, yeah, what was, was there for me. And so um, I remember waking up that morning and being like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, I was late for my work and I just didn't know like what to do. And I started calling a car service to try to get me to, to you know, mm-hmm. to, to take a car and, um, and nobody was picking up, all the lines were busy. And so... And so finally, I, I like somebody picked up, and I was like, "I need a car." And they're just, all they said was, "Turn the TV on," and hung up. And and with that out of context, it was so strange. But in that moment, right. it was like, "Wow, you know that 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 experience in my life like set me on a completely new trajectory." Um, it was oh, sort yeah. of the realization that the mystery of life is that you never know when it's going to end. You know, it could, mm-hmm. end, it could end tomorrow, it could end now, it could end whenever, and you know, the, the meteor could hit the planet, you know, and we could all yeah. be dead. And so while we're here for such a short amount of time, might as well be, you know, live fully lit up. And so yep. I wrote down three things I wanted to do with my life. Um, the first was to play soccer professionally. Um, the second was to make movies. <laughs> and the third was to start a business. And wow. um, over the course of the next couple of years, I, I did, I did those things. I, I worked, I, um, uh, tried out for the New York Magic soccer team, made the team. It's a whole crazy story of how that happened. You know, made the starting lineup, and then um, uh, in the first game of the season, when I when I when I made the team finally, um, you know, the first, eight minutes in, you know, assisted a goal, and then got slide tackled and tore my ACL. So I had to um, stay in the investment making job, and yeah. you know, of course, the very best health insurance and right the best physical therapy and um and then went back out again the following year tried to try it out again made the team again made the starting lineup again and then tore my other acl like playing in a semi-final game of like a rec league just for fun with friends it was just crazy so um yeah and so so that was sort of like the end of that that career for me that's fine yeah so the second thing on my list was to make movies and so um, I spent my summers while I was, stu- you know, studying in college, working for the guys who produced Dumb and Dumber and Kingpin and reading scripts for all these producers. And yeah. so I just brushed off that resume and, and sort of made that my main thing and went out and got a job as an associate producer working on, um, at a 
film production company in New York, um, mm. who did commercials and music videos. And very quickly, I realized that I'm not a nine to five kind of gal. I'm definitely more yeah. like beat to my own drum kind of person. Yeah. So, um, so I, I left that and then went freelance production. And so I started off mm. like as a PA, production assistant on sets, picking up trash, driving directors around, getting producers coffee, like, you know, literally just doing all the menial jobs, but I did a really good job doing that. Yeah. Um, so very quickly in four months, worked my way up to, you know, production managing, a production, so office PA, then production coordinator, then production manager, and then started producing um, commercial music videos. And, um, and that, you know, during that period, you know, I learned so much and, you know, talk about systems. I learned so much about project management, how to get things done on time because you had to like produce a commercial or a music video and you had to deliver it on time. You had to hire people, you had to pay people, you had to get the food there, you had to call, make sure everyone was there on time, you had to make sure everything was broken down. And like we had the permits for the city, like all the things that you so need nice. to get a shoot done, especially in a city like New York, taught me so much about, um, you know, about systems and how to create a really, you know, um, robust operational system. And, yep. and that, that was a training ground for me for, for the rest of my life as I, as I started businesses. Um, yeah. And so investment banking, you know, I worked, I worked investment banking for a couple of years and, and that as much as I hated it, it really gave me the finance, you know, like oh. uh, foundation because I didn't, didn't know anything about finance. I didn't really like it. I was the only one of the only finance like people who got a job in investment banking who didn't have any finance background. So I had to like work extra hard during like the training program to just 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 understand like how to put together like you know just the regular financial statements. But that that experience, as much as I hated it, really really gave me the opportunity to raise money down the road to put together financial projections and oh, to yeah. like understand model financial models and even just a basic you know, balance sheet and statement, cash flow statement, like how to look at that, you know, and just like, that was really, really important. So like each one of them informed the next, you know, I think playing soccer really taught me resilience, you know, how to come back from such terrible trauma, you know, upset, you know, you work so hard to get somewhere and you tear your ACL and they tear right. and you work ass off to get back and you tear your other ACL and you have to like get right. surgeries and each recovery was a year long. So mm -hmm you know, it was, it was, it taught, it taught, you know, real resilience and how to like, you know, went to physical therapy three days a week for, for, you know, for a full year for each knee. <clears throat> and it was like, that was so important to, that was training. It was like Mr. Miyagi's wax on, wax off. Kind of <laughs> Except yeah. extra painful. Um, yeah. And then all of that informed, you know, like my first business idea, which was born on set, because I was eating all, on set of these commercials and, commercials and music videos. I would eat all this crappy food on set and, you know, pigs in the blanket and like all these processed, like M&Ms, like everything. Cause it, but it was free because I was a student loan debt. I was like free, yeah. <laughs> I ate all this free shit. Yeah. causing so many stomach pains and awful issues in my belly. And so finally one day I was like, oh my God, I was keeled over at home, like in so much pain. And I just went to Google it and discovered just the massive processed food industry, the hormones, the antibiotics, the pesticides, the, you know, the, the preservatives, all of that that was in food and how it was really causing a lot of intolerances in people. And yeah. so I started thinking about all the foods that I had to give up during that period. And, and pizza was definitely top of my list where it was made with processed cheese, processed flour, like bleach flour, sugar-filled sauces, just all this crap. But if actually if done right, pizza could be a really great food. You know, it's got like yeah. the whole 
grains, it's got the yep. protein, it's got the vegetables, it's got, you know, all the things if done right. And so it was like my ding, 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 like first business idea. I was born that way um, and, oh, and cool. started New York City's first gluten-free farm table, like organic pizza concept. That and is awesome. What was the name? Wild. And it's still, I still have three locations. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Cause I have to be gluten. I'm celiac. So oh, amazing. Well, my yeah. restaurant hundred percent gluten free. So that's check amazing. Out, check out eatdrinkwild.com. Yeah, um, love that. My, my book, my first book called do cool shit. Um, yeah. it, uh, talks about every step of the way, how I raised the first, you know, $25,000 and raised then $250,000 and how I, what email I wrote to get the raise the money. Like, so so many autobiographies you read and you're like, and then I raised a million dollars. But how, <laughs> what did you say? Who did you go to? What document, like what the hell did you do? Like, it's, it's so hard to be like, and then I did that. And you're like, but okay, but like, what are the 55 steps in between? Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. shit. My, my first book, Google shit really, really kind of pulls back the curtain and walks you through every single thing I sent and what, what, what meals I like prepared for like the first investor meetings, you know, like, yeah how I got, you know, it, it to all work out. So oh, that's cool. yeah. So then from there, from the restaurants, I brought in a partner um, who, who's a restaurateur. And what I learned yeah. from that experience was I worked seven years in my restaurants, like busting my ass, like seven days a right. week, literally like 10 AM to 2 AM every single day. And it was just thankless, pain, like painful work, you know, and that also taught me such thick skin yeah. to work my ass off, you know, and yeah. Um, and, and then I found a business, my, my partner, operating restaurant partner who came in after seven years of busting my ass, literally within one week of him taking it over, our numbers doubled. And within one month, our numbers wow. tripled. After seven years of me trying so hard, I, the big lesson there was, oh my God, like I don't have to do everything. I can bring people who are better than me at operations or at like running like the show, like the, like the, yeah. you know, on the ground. Like it was such a telling thing for me for, for down the road. And, yes. and, you know, that was, yeah, that was incredible. So then what he freed up my time to work on Thinks, which was the next mm-hmm. business, which is the period underwear business. And, mm-hmm. you know, that was interesting because I didn't really learn that lesson that well, because mm-hmm. in the beginning I felt like, oh my God, like I can do it all. Like I, I don't have to hire like any sort of senior level people. I can just hire a bunch of young mm-hmm. people and um you know with with not much experience but lots of lots of heart and lots of like hunger and um you know but but that that definitely um proved to be very challenging where there wasn't any wasn't middle management in place so you know that was that was was lessons where i didn't need to like operate it or do all the things like it was important to bring people with experience to come and like help run the business so um and so thinks you know obviously scaled exponentially over the course three years and um that was born out of a necessity as well i kept having period accidents all the time right so um you know family at my family barbecue my sister and i you know were defending our three-legged race championship title and in the middle of the race she started her period and sort of we you know as she was changing as we ran to the finish line to change out her bathing suit bottoms is when the idea for the business hit and um 
yeah. And so, so, you know, that, that business, you know, is, is unbelievable. And, you know, I'm really proud of the work that we did to sort of lift the shame around periods. And, you know, when I started, people did not want to talk to me about it. People were like, why are you so uncouth? You're totally like, you know, talk, like, what are you doing talking about periods? You're so, you know, like you just, you're, you're, you're like, you have a dirty mind, like all these things. And I was just like, all right, what I, yeah, I'm just like, because, you know, we, nobody would be alive without that important blood. So respect it, right. you know, so right. especially investors, nobody wanted to talk about it. Nobody wanted to invest in the business. We had to actually do a Kickstarter campaign to even raise funds to like mm -hmm. build the business. Um, so yeah, it was a, it was a very, very interesting, you know, like colorful, painful, beautiful experience of building this business. You know, I definitely yeah. was naive, definitely did not protect myself in a lot of ways, definitely, made a lot of startup mistakes, like lots of things, you know, right. that could have, you know, but like, who doesn't make mistakes when you're starting, you know? And of course, right. like, it's very easy to, to talk shit, you know, but it's, it's very hard to be in the ring actually doing the work, you know? So, you know, yeah. I sort of took those lessons. And as I built my next business, which is Tushy, um, was able to, to really apply a lot of those lessons. I mean, now yeah. I have, you know, mostly senior level people with like 15, 20, 30 years experience, you know, collectively. And it's, um, it's, it's a, it's a different, different sort of, you know, business, totally yeah. way of running the business. And so, yeah. you know, um, I, I think, that. yeah. And I think, you know, one informed the next, you know, the, exactly. the things which inform Tushy, which informs, which will inform all the things that will follow. And, you know, the way, the way I talk about, you know, people talk about like, Oh, Mickey, like, let's talk about failure. And I was like, I don't talk, I don't say the word failure. I think everything mm -hmm. in my book disrupt her, which comes out in January, I, I always say replace the word failure with revelation. Like what has been revealed to you? Yes. You know, experience, so much has been revealed to me in my, in my, all of my experiences, the, the, the incredible experiences that I've had, the ups, the downs, the pains, the, the sadness, the betrayals, the every bit of it, you know, I felt, um, I felt like I learned something. I, I was stretched, you know, and that you can't be, you can't, I can't be more grateful than that, you know, so. Yeah, I know. And I think there, that that is, it's a good reflection for then those of us who are in businesses or have had multiple businesses or multiple experiences previously to go back and reflect and not forget how we handled those, those revelations and really then how can I better myself, better my business, better my life based on what has already happened. Um, Cause I think a lot of times people are scared to go revisit those because they were hard or they were, you know, emotionally draining and, and energetically draining. And so it can be scary or hard to do that, but I think it's so necessary and your story proves that. And yeah, I think it's beautiful. Yeah. It's like having the reflection time. Like when I went through a lot of the things, you know, the highs and the lows, like, you know, I wrote down like, you know, a, a, a sort of um, post-mortem, which is basically mm. like once, once I, I stepped down, like, what are the things that went right and what are the things that, that could have been done better? Yeah. And, um, and you have to write that stuff down because if you don't write it down, then you'll just forget it. And yeah. so, and then sort of like, you know, you, you put together my coach and I have an incredible leadership and, and life coach who, you know, worked on this with her and, and we talked about, okay, what, where are you now? What's your five-year plan? Like, where are you in that? And what are the lessons learned that can take you there to where you need to be in five years and not to focus necessarily on a lot of the, you know, nonsense and, and gossip and in, in between, you know, so it's yeah. really about how do you keep moving forward? Yeah, I love that. So the last few questions that I have are, uh, what was your best financial investment in business? 
Oh, wow. Um, I mean, I think in, in, in just investing in, in all of the, the, the taboo breaking businesses that, that I care about, you know, I think those yeah. have been really, really wonderful and fruitful for, for me and for my family. Um, yeah. um, I, I think it's, you know, if you have a, an instinct to, you know, that, that you believe can work, I think that's, that's, you know, believing yourself is really important. Um, I've also invested in a few companies I'm really proud of, um, Watermelon Water and Della, and these are all brands that are now very much out, out in the world. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, there's, you know, there, there's so there's many good investments. So many good investments. Yeah. yeah that's awesome. Also, yeah. also the market. I've invested in the market and my, 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 my team at Merrill are great. Thank you guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so awesome. Uh, and then instead of what was your worst financial investment, we'll just say, what was one of your hardest revelations in business financially? I would say like when I was 23, I bought a, I bought a house, a two family house with my friend Oliver and mm-hmm. we bought, we bought a house and we fixed it up. And yeah. then, and then we, we made like a hundred thousand dollars when we were 23 years old in like, wow. in, in like in the span of six months. And we were like, Oh my God, we're rich, you know? <laughs> and so we were like, okay, we're going to become like, the next big like real estate mogul and we're like we're gonna go from a two family to a four family to an eight family to whatever <laughs> oh my god and so and there's this thing called the 1031 exchange where mm-hmm. uh, you you can you can basically roll your real estate um sort of uh-huh. what you make from real estate investment and roll it into a new investment mm-hmm. so we're like, okay we're gonna roll it all into a new four we, we bought a five family house in newark new jersey and this is when Cory Booker was, was becoming the mayor and we were like, mm-hmm. oh my God, he's going to turn the city around, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, <laughs> and it was like the biggest lemon of my life. And it's still, I still own it, which is crazy. And luckily, whoa, no, but finally we found a house manager who lived like 15 minutes away, a real estate guy who retired and who now Perfect. goes to the doors and collects cash as rent. And it's like pretty ridiculous. And <laughs> You know, be, we're finally out of not being underwater because we bought it oh, and then the crash happened. Right. So we were just like underwater for so many years and the amount of eviction courts cases I've been to, the amount of money we've sunk into that place. The water fell, the, all the boilers burst. There's freaking sewage flood on the ground that went all the way. I mean, like the number of shit <laughs> that I have experienced with this insane property it was just like, yeah. It felt like such an irrational, rash, you know, just right. young and dumb yeah. thing, you know. So I would say that, you know, and I would also say the restaurant business is not a, is a very, very hard business. And I think yeah. if I know what I know now, if I, you know, investing all of my energy and all of my 20s in trying to make the restaurant work, um, I don't know if I would do that again. You know, I think yeah. that was, and I think my ego was certainly too big to like, let it go and be like, okay, this isn't working out for me. I'm just going to like fucking keep above water and do the best I could. And then my mm-hmm. partner came in and, and really cleaned it up. But I just, you know, it was really, it was a really, really hard time for me for sure. Yeah. Oh, I bet. I bet. Well, where can people find you online? So website, social uh, media, all that stuff. Yeah. They can go to mickeyagrawal.com. M-I-K-I-A-G-R-A-W-A-L.com. Uh, and then hello tushy, T-U-S-H-Y.com. Those are the best places. <laughs> yes. Perfect. Well, thank you so much again, Mickey, for taking the time to, to chat. Thank you. Thanks for listening to System Safety. 
If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes or send a screenshot on Instagram while tagging us at SystemSaveMe. Don't forget to check out the workflow template shop at SystemSaveMe.com to help you work less and make more.